I'm just here to entertain you, man. Combo Nation. Oh, what up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 347 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you tune into the show. Share this episode. Share it on social media, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. Share it on your IG stories and tag me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. You can catch me on Twitter at Combo's Court. Same name as the podcast, C-O-M-B-O-S-C-O-U-R-T. Today's show, Kirk Henderson, editor-in-chief at MavsMoneyBall.com, joins in to talk Mavs basketball. You could catch Kirk on Twitter at KirkSeriousFace. That's K-I-R-K-S-E-R-I-O-U-S-F-A-C-E. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Henderson of MavsMoneyBall.com. Welcome to Combo's Court. How you feeling today, Kirk? You know, I'm, I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing well. Well, recently, Mark Cuban actually reached out to you. It wasn't vice versa. He wanted to get on your podcast. You had a conversation with Mark. What were some of your biggest takeaways from that conversation? Um, It was a good conversation. To preface for anyone who might be curious, I have kind of constantly been critis- critical of Cuban's very forward-facing approach to team ownership. It's been going on for 20 years, but I felt since the uh, championship, it's kind of had really just diminishing returns to the point to where I've, I've made the argument that him being so vocal is actually bad for the Mavericks. Uh, I don't think free agents really like it. Um, I But then he, he basically came on the show and, you know, reminded me of the fact that, look, I love basketball. This is not an investment. This is something I sell because I love it, not because it's like a money making machine for me. So when I talk about basketball, it's because I love talking about basketball. And it's an interesting conversation because I've I've been so tough on him. So it was it was, you know, kind of reminded me that like, look, he's not selling to me, the diehard. He's selling to the person in the Dallas sports market that has six other options on any given night. And he wants to be, you know, a a proponent of his team. So I get it. I will just say that I'm not sure I always agree because one of the things he said back to me was essentially, if you owned a sports team, wouldn't you do the same thing? And uh, at the time I said, you know, that's a good point, but I don't own a sports team and I'm a bit of a moron. So I don't know if it would be a good idea if I owned a sports team, if I would be in front of everybody. So I don't know. It was, it was, it was a, it was a pretty good conversation, all things considered. So you're not of the belief that all attention is good attention because a lot of people knowing about the Mavs and just casual sports fans knowing about Mark Cuban is because he's so vocal, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, all those fines from David Stern almost built his brand. Do you think any of that was beneficial for the Mavs and building and building their brand? Absolutely. Cause he's been, when he joined the team, they were a bottom like sports franchise in America, not even just basketball. So I would argue that, that he's a net positive. I would think that in Dirk Nowitzki's waning years now in Luca's opening years, I would, I think there's a little bit of diminishing return because, you know, 
it's one thing for your coach or your GM to go out and criticize you to the media because they're the basketball experts. And I wonder if, if it's the owner doing it or even just talking about it, how it would make that, that particular player feel. I, I always go back to, he was making a point about the salary uh, taxes in like 2013. And he, he just made kind of an offhanded quip that, you know, the Lakers should consider amnestying Kobe Bryant. Kobe then took high offense to that went out and poured in like 40 points and 10 boards the next time he played the Mavs and then tweeted amnesty that. <laughs> and it was one of those things that became a little bit of an issue. And he actually addressed it on the podcast in the sense of, he said, look, you do enough interviews, you, you end up making mistakes. And that was kind of where that, that came from because he makes, I do this. I mean, shoot, we run, we, we run podcasts. You talk long enough. You're going to say something you didn't either intend to say that way, but it's just, it's, it's for me, it's, there are times where I get frustrated and I have been frustrated at points because for, for the Mavericks, Luka Doncic is a generational superstar. And with the way that the league operates these days, you get guys, they can just decide, you know, I don't want to be here anymore. So I don't want to do any, like as a fan, even though I run a, a website as a fan, I don't want that to be the case where it's like, okay, you know, this played into a decision to him deciding, you know what, this just isn't for me anymore. Now, should I be thinking and be worried like that? No, but you know, the NBA is a complicated market where guys decide, you know, the superstars, the top 20, those guys kind of get to decide where they want to play. <laughs> and I would like yeah. Luka Doncic to remain a Maverick. Yeah. So let's stay on Luka because pre-draft of Luka's draft, uh, I was very high on Luka. I thought he should be the number one pick. I thought he would be you know, the best player coming out of that draft. It's well documented. But I also have to be fair now and say that, like, Luca's off seasons and the way he comes back is somewhat concerning. Do you, is that a concern for the whole organization, for Cuban, for the fans? Because, yeah, now when he's young, he could come back, he could play his way into shape, and he be, could become that MVP level player throughout the course of the season. But we see over time, that's what often separates great players, right? Like, that's why LeBron is separated from all his peers in his age group, right? Because he took care of his body in such a great way. How big of a concern is Luca's off seasons for you, the Mavs organization and the fans? So long-term, probably not the biggest concern because he's such a young man. And I think back to what I was doing at 23 and it wasn't anything productive. So <laughs> that he came back like the, the, his second year, 1920, he came back in that second year in great shape and the Mavs got off to like a 16 and five start primarily because he was just unbelievable. He had fine tuned aspects of his game. Then in year three and year four, he's just not looked great. There are uh, to start the year and there are reasons for that, which, you know, are justifications is kind of a hard, I don't want to crack on the guy too much, but it's, it's something that makes you wonder, all right, at what point is he, ready to take the MVP step. I do think it happens. I mean, it happened with like James Harden's probably a pretty good example because Harden's game is, he was, he, he, all of a sudden James Harden became an unstoppable tank who never missed games and played 40 minutes a game, unbelievable cardio and strength and that sort of thing that came along. Whereas, you know, his early seasons with the Rockets, he was just done by the playoffs. He was tired. Um, and he didn't play good defense, didn't move around a lot. Luca's, Luca's biggest challenge is going to be himself, I think, over the long term and how much he really wants to invest. And he's such a, a killer on and off the court. I think that he'll eventually decide that's what he wants. Um, he, he seemed to kind of make that decision because he lost a lot of weight in season, like losing. I, I know I'm sure you're, you you played like 
it's hard to keep weight on in season just because and so it's like it's kind of on the one hand it's kind of impressive that he was able to keep it on for 25 games um but it's just it's lifetime lifestyle stuff i think he figures i think he he makes this choice on his own and i feel good about him long term i just i don't know when that switch flips so as we know luca didn't have the greatest relationship with rick do you have any insight on his relationship with jason kidd well, I think it's safe to assume that he wouldn't have been head coach if Luca wasn't on board with it. So I, I think their relationship has 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 been m- primarily positive. I think he I think he almost lets Luca work through things on the court to a fault. Mm. Gives me some some sort of Phil Jackson vibes at times where Luca's chittering with the refs at all points, like. I'm still waiting for someone in the organization. And even though Luca himself says it to really kind of get on him during a game about that, but kid's been critical of Luca at specific points. And I think the, like he he's at the stage in his career where those sorts of criticisms are still well-received. Um, and, you know, they, they've really pivoted back to playing a, a significant amount of Luca ball for, for lack of a better description since the beginning of the season, spacing's way different and they're playing well, he's playing well, he looks happy and engaged. So I think it's safe to assume that relationship is pretty good. They have a really strong coaching staff. Um, mm-hmm. It seems every guy plays a different role. There's Sean Sweeney on the bench. Uh, uh, Jared Dudley plays a real uh, a key role, kind of, I think, is like player liaison. And then his former national team coach, Igor Kokoskov, I think has been uh, uh, really helpful too. So there, there's a lot going on there, and I, I think it works. So, I mean, it was Luca Ball with Rick. You're saying it's still Luca Ball with Jason, but what differences have you seen on the court from an X's and O's standpoint? Uh, a lot more freedom from players who didn't primarily have it. Dorian Finney-Smith, who just recently signed a big contract extension. I used to make the joke that he was Stanley from the office when he dribbled, like just looking down and couldn't do it. But, I mean, he's his play off the, off the dribble this year has been outstanding. He's had career highs and assists. Um and just willingness to drive and take it to the basket, not just be a standing three and D player has been helpful. Jalen Brunson's expanded this game. Well, that's not really fair. I think this was always part of Jalen Brunson's game, but he's been less of a scorer and more of an all around playmaker. And he became the, the play, the secondary playmaker the Mavericks needed playing with Luca and off ball. And so those, those two guys have really, really benefited from the freedom that that kids given them. So what were your initial thoughts on the trade? Because I feel like the majority of, NBA media, NBA Twitter, everybody who talks about the league, all the talking heads. We're not the biggest fan from either side of this trade, it seemed like. Um, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? I mean, we see Porzingis had a good game. We obviously what Spencer has. We obviously seen what Spencer has been bringing to the Mavs. What were your initial thoughts? And what are your thoughts now on the addition of Spencer and Bertans after you've seen a few games? My initial thoughts were I was uh, as much as I had appreciated KP's professionalism and his, his play this, these past two years, despite not really being healthy, he's just, they call him the unicorn for a variety of different reasons, but human beings aren't supposed to be that big and move like that. And it just, he, he lower leg stuff scares me for guys that are that big. So I think moving on from him was the right decision. So I was just kind of glad to, as, as a, as a consumer to get out from underneath sort of the existential, what if this happens, you know, and now they're playing with two different guys. And I didn't have high hopes. Um, Luca tends to make, you know, even okay shooters look, at least get them great shots. So I was, I was sort of 
excited for Spencer Dinwiddie just because the man has the confidence. Like he just has unending confidence. It's a riot to watch him play. Dinwiddie's probably the person I was least familiar with. And I'm, I'm really, really loving watching him play. His wingspan is enormous. And it's, he has like for early in the games, because I've only seen him, they've only played like eight games. There's been a lot of, oh no, why is he doing that? Oh, and then the ball goes through the net kind of thing because he's really kind of a herky jerky game he's great at driving mavericks have been uh like number one in the nba at drives since i think they've been on the team and i've really just enjoyed them i i feel i i can't figure out what how good spencer really is because if you look at his numbers over eight games he looks like a super duper star he's shooting like 50 percent from three just that i've really enjoyed watching him play he's going to be a huge addition so you're confident he could sustain this because obviously everybody's talking about, you know, the James Harden um, honeymoon phase. Do you feel like this is a honeymoon phase or you feel like this is sustainable? And if it is sustainable with him and Bertans, do you feel like this team is a legit title contender? So I don't think he's playing out of his mind. So it feels like that that's probably not sustainable. But giving the Mavericks the third ball handler because Brunson has an issue with length because he's six one. He just over time, it's it's things become more difficult for him again. And so him being he's actually played really well with Dinwiddie. And so those being able to have two ball handlers on the court, I think, really raises um, their short term ceiling. I will say they don't have any depth. Um, mm. It gets a little dicey. I have Dwight Powell is, is kind of the, the Mavericks uh, Rorschach test because he he people either love him or hate him. And he's playing a lot of minutes and he's probably playing above his um, abilities at point. Maxi Kleba is a grinder, really heck of a player, does a lot for them. But he's he's just past 30 and has a lot of miles on his body. And those are basically the two big men. Uh, Dinwiddie, or uh, not Dinwiddie, um, Bertans technically counts, but the man averages like two and a half rebounds. So I don't know if he is really it. And so then you get deeper into the bench and there's a second year, uh, guard forward kind of, I don't know what position he is. Josh green, who ends up getting some time, uh, Tim Hardaway. I don't expect him back this year just because feet injuries are so painful. So I think given the right stretch, they could be a Western conference finals team. But I think finding that is a little bit difficult because the Western Conference, like people keep asking me, who do you want to play above? Uh, who do you want to play in the playoffs? I'm like, none of these teams, because they're all better than the Mavericks. <laughs> That's it's too hard. Yeah. So the Mavs early season success, everybody felt like, you know, the Mavs would regress to the mean and it wasn't real. And now we're actually seeing throughout the course of the season, the Mavs defense has been better. What were the adjustments that were made to improve their defense overall? Well, the, the initial focus was actually two guys getting back. The Mavericks have been a horrendous transition team my entire life. At least it feels that way. Mm -hmm. This year, they've been really pretty good in transition. And then they're using, they're, instead of playing like a drop coverage scheme, that, which they had kind of had to do with Porzingis, they're being reasonably aggressive. And the perk of these guys all having played together for three years is they feel very, I, I think they all know each other very well. There's been instances in, in um, what do you want to call it? The, the help the helper situations where you see another player basically shoving someone into their rotation. <laughs> and so there's been a lot of good action in, in that regard. There are games that go by where occasionally they just get nuked from three. And that's, you know, that happens in the NBA where it looks like their defense isn't real. Part of me, I'm not enough of an expert to be able to speak to because I've watched these same guys for three years be terrible at defense. And now it's the same group that's incredible at points. It's, 
I'm really delighted by it, but I can't entirely explain it. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, how much of this Mavs playoff run, if they do happen to go on one, will just have to do with the players around Luca making shots? I'm a believer that Jalen Brunson will be great in the playoffs. I also think Spencer will be great in the playoffs. But I think Reggie Bullock might be an X factor. How much of shooting luck is just going to have to do with this Mavs hopeful run? If they play the Jazz a lot, because the Jazz are really really good uh i think if they were to get somehow play memphis just for example or golden state a little less so but the shooting is pretty key because luca if he has the ball as much as he has it and is getting open looks they just have to knock them down and for the first basically the 2021 portion of the season the mavericks were really terrible at hitting good shots but then as the season evolved into 2022 Uh their driving to the basket increased which then kind of had a trickle down effect of them getting better, even better shots. And so I feel, I feel bullish. Um, this is a little bit of a gambler's fallacy thing, but Bullock has been so rough the past like three weeks. I, they just need guys to hit at the right time. Cause if you, if you watched any of the Clippers games, they went two and a half games where like Tim Hardaway was shooting like 60% from three, they were this close to knocking out the Clippers. Yeah. And it just, you just need that little bit. If you're going to be outmatched. Um, I, I it's, it's, it's interesting. They we just talked with Cuban about this yesterday. You want to finish the season in a good spot. And I feel like way they're heading, everything is playing well versus for example, the warriors who have just been so uncomfortable to watch the last 10 games. Cause they, it feels like something's off. I feel like something is in a, I don't know how to like the, I don't know what you would call it exactly, but it's like, there's just like the the feeling around the team and the way they're playing. There's there's things to build on with each game, and and they still have, have levels to get to. I think. Yeah, and with all that said, it does seem like Luca, you know, steps up to the biggest moments. Like what he did into the what he did to the Clippers in the bubble. Like I'll never forget. That was just like a such a crazy performance. And if he can repeat that, I totally agree with you that you know they could get to the Western Conference Finals, and then who knows? I mean. I would love to see it so much, you know, looking back now that I have hindsight, like the, the 2011 Mavericks season, a lot of how they got to the finals, not to take anything away from it, but every year there's a significant luck portion when it comes to injuries. Mm-hmm. And that's where the depth concerns start to, to mm-hmm. start to really like really make me worry because, you know, Maxi Kleba's he missed two games earlier and the Mavericks won both of those games, but it was very much skin of the teeth. And, and that's what you get to playoffs. Like you can't face Phoenix and be down guys. Cause those dudes are deep. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I mean, it, it's going to come down to shooting luck, injury luck, but I would say that it's more important in the playoffs. If your team happens to be healthy, to have a great top seven, than sure. maybe overall depth. Sure. No, I, I, you're, you're obviously right because of the way the rotations get trimmed down. And if the Mavericks don't have the most talented top seven, they do have a top seven that works really well together. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the best argument. I just, I get a little skittish because, but you know, Luka Doncic has only played the Clippers in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, thir- it's like you go to his basketball reference page. It's 13 games of just playing Kawhi. So I think I'm a little, uh, I'm a little skittish about that because it just hasn't ended the way that I would have hoped either time. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, you mentioned that, you know, uh, how good Jalen Brunson was before this leap. I mean, so-called leap. He was always a good player. I mean, Mavs fans know 
Villanova fans know. What are the Mavs going to have to do to keep this guy on the team for the future? Pay him. And there's, you know, I can say this frequently because it's not my money. <laughs> there's no, I don't really see a harm in paying him because what Brunson brings to the table, he's about 25. You sign him to a four-year deal. He's going to age beautifully. His game is just like, he's going to be able to play basketball till he's 50 because of how he plays. And I, I don't see any harm in it. Luca, he's probably one of Luca's, you know, closest friends on the team. And I think that has to matter. And, it, you know, and if things work, don't work out, let's say he wants a change in role and the Mavs don't want it. And like they decide to, you know, in two years after signing him, I think his contract, even if you pay him 20 million, 22 million, whatever, if the salary cap ever happens to go up, that kind of guy becomes a valuable piece. Uh, I, I, he just strikes me as a guy that, that other teams clearly covet now. So why would you not? And even if you're paying him more money, I don't see why that wouldn't necessarily go away. I mean, there's a value change, but I just, I, I want him on the team, more ball handlers, uh, more ball handlers are better for me. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think he probably has more value to the Mavs than anybody else. Just from what you said, like his game will age beautifully. And that relationship with Luca is so important. And I think Luke's is a guy that there probably are concerns that he won't retire as a Maverick. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had to bet on it, do you think he will retire? I mean, there's going to be so many variables when it comes to this championships. One, his relationship with J kid, his relationship with Cuban, of the, you know, obviously team uh, success, as I already said, but if you had to bet on it right now, do you think that Luca will retire? And I know this is looking way forward into the future, retire a Maverick? No, but I'm a pessimist, but I think the, the, what will play into that is when the Mavericks come to the place that I sort of wish they would have come to by now, and that Luca is a good enough player to where you build a contender around him every year, if you can. He, I understand he is not LeBron James, uh, but I also don't think it's a stretch to say he's a top seven to top 10 player in the league. And what happened when they got Spencer Dimwitty, who, who really accentuates what Luca does, they've won some games, small sample size. I understand, but I, you get better players, you can hope for better results. And, and so I, I really, I, I think how long he stays a Maverick, whether it's whole career or not, is, is how often they can can put a competitive team around him, you know, because it seems judging from his career overseas and coming here, the most important thing to him is winning. I don't think he really, you know, yeah, I'm sure he cares about where he plays. It'd be nice to live in Los Angeles. Shoot, everyone would like to live in Los Angeles if we could. It's beautiful out there. I say that when it's like 40 degrees outside today. And it's, it's, you know, that sort of stuff is what it is. But in the factors that the Mavericks can control, team building is going to be very important going forward. They need to, to, and I, I think moving away from Donnie Nelson to Nico and Michael Finley has been very important. And I think that they have a foundation for something moving forward. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned a top seven or so player, and I believe moving forward, he will get to that number one spot eventually, but it all depends on how he, how seriously he takes those off seasons. That's my mm-hmm. thoughts, Kirk. Like I'm really big on that. I know people think about all kinds of factors, but it's really up to Luca. If he wants mm-hmm. to be the best player in this league, he, his most underrated athletic attribute is his strength. 
he moved Kawhi Leonard like he was nothing a few times last year. And Kawhi Leonard is one of the strongest players in the NBA. Cardio, yeah. like like maintaining cardio and cardio fitness is hard. You got to stay with it. Like you just can't quit it because you take days off or weeks off. You do lose ground. Yeah. I mean, and and how you build strength without building up size. I think back to the like Yao Ming when he entered the NBA, he couldn't do like he couldn't lift anything. Shaq pushed him around like like he was a paperclip. And then by the end of his career, he had managed to put on a lot of strength for a really tall dude. So if Luca's got the hard part down, which I think is the strength, the cardio stuff is just going to take commitment. And I don't see why, you know, he looked great with Slovenia in the Olympics. Yeah. His, his ability to get out of shape is probably one of the most amazing things we don't talk about. Like he had like four weeks and he put on like 20 pounds. It's incredible. Yeah, what was he? What was he doing? I, I I would like to see a vlog of what he was doing during that time. It must have been. It's, I, who knows? it's really like that superstar potential there. If you're able to get that out of shape that quickly, I pre- I, I respect it. Most definitely, Kirk. Thank you so much for taking the time. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you on social media and everywhere else? Oh, I have the dumbest Twitter handle, but it's something from when I just joined like 12 years ago and haven't changed it. It's at Kirk Serious Face. I'm the editor-in-chief of Mavs Moneyball. We do a fair amount of content. And if you like audio stuff, we have a Mavs Moneyball podcast, which I probably update at least once a day. Go check that out. Kirk, you're always welcome back on the show and talk soon. Thank you. Anytime. Thank you for tuning in to Combo's Court Podcast. Appreciate everyone who listens to the show across the globe. Big shouts to Kirk for joining in. We appreciate you. And don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you tune in to Combo's Court. Be on the lookout for episode 348. Combo out.